You're listening to Money and Meaning, Unlikely Allies, Building New Markets for Impact. With your hosts, Lindsay Smalling and Alex Kravitz. Check out our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net. Let's join the conversation. Welcome back to Money and Meaning. I'm your host, Alex Kravitz, and today we're bringing you a conversation with the Michigan Good Food Fund. Tens of millions of Americans live in food deserts or areas that don't have access to healthy, affordable food options. This leads to both the obvious health consequences as well as consequences to quality of life and economic development. The Michigan Good Food Fund is a $30 million public-private partnership that's working to combat this issue in the state of Michigan by providing both financial assistance and business assistance to food enterprises who are working in the state's underserved communities. On the call, we have Olivia Rebinal from Capital Impact Partners, which provides financing for the fund. Joining her is Jean Horashevsky from the Fair Food Network, which provides business assistance such as mentorship, capacity building, training, etc. And lastly, we have Amit Makecha, who founded a shared kitchen and processing facility called Feast Detroit with the help of the fund. Our conversation touches on why equitable food systems are so important. What are some of the challenges of, of launching and, and financing these food enterprises? And what parts of their model are being replicated now across the country? So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation. Olivia, I'd like to start with you. To, to frame today's discussion, why should we care about food systems? Well, There are many people in our country that lack access to healthy food, and we all know that we need food to survive and thrive. So at the crux of all of this, it's about healthy food access and getting people, getting that access to people who need it most so that they can live healthier lives, uh, be better contributors to community and to our economy, and have better social and health outcomes. Um, But it also goes beyond just purely the health. Like I mentioned, food is also a major driver of economic development and job creation. What we know also about food food systems and jobs within the food economy is that they are easy to access. There are lower barriers of entry into the food economy. So that allows us to offer opportunities for people that are under underemployed, unemployed, or difficult to employ. And that is meaningful for us. Um, all of those economic opportunities will lead to better and improve social outcomes. There are certain communities that lack this access more acutely. And in those communities that tend to be more communities of color, we are focusing and concentrating our attention to. That's great. Thank you very much. What What are some of the, the challenges that these types of businesses face with, with more traditional financing? A lot of the businesses that we encounter might not be prepared or fit the profile of a lot of traditional lenders. Um, they might not have a consistent track record of profitability, or they might have lacked the resources and mentorship and guidance to be able to create a solid business plan to be able to, to follow as they start a new business. And so there are a lot of these businesses that are overlooked by traditional lenders and financing vehicles. 
those those kinds of businesses are those that we are working with most closely as a community-based nonprofit lender. Okay, thanks. But the the Michigan Food Fund does more than than just financing. Jean, can you can you tell us a little bit about how the Fair Food Network ties into the fund? Sure. Uh, the Fair Food Network is actually one of four core partners that uh, collaborate to run and, and manage the Michigan Good Food Fund, which is a statewide initiative. And as one of the core partners, we really hone in on finding good food entrepreneurs and providing uh, technical assistance that's needed. Um, you know, we recognize as, as Fair Food Network and as, as a food systems leader that providing access to capital just isn't enough. Um, business assistance is actually vital to bolstering financing. Um, and so we, we are really uh, focusing in on what business assistance we can offer to to boost uh, entrepreneurs. I mean, you can think about the benefits of business assistance in multiple ways. One layer is um, alluding to what Olivia just said, uh, business and loan readiness. Entrepreneurs, you know, especially those coming from underserved communities, often lack the business acumen and skills they need to actually translate what they're passionate about, their food business, into profitable business. And we're there to help build that capacity. And we recognize that this requires both general business acumen, but also, interestingly, industry-specific knowledge and mentorship. If you think about it, running, say, a food truck is a lot different than launching a grocery store. Um, I can go on. A second layer is, is, is really also that business assistance is growing an equitable pipeline. We recognize that we can't do business as usual and expect a different result. Um, we really want the capital, if we want capital to go to those who have been traditionally excluded from financing um, for all the various reasons that Olivia had also mentioned, we need to be intentional about who's in our pipeline and that we're building capacity in all communities. And of course, at the end of the day, it's, it's about risk mitigation of our investments. Um, because we're able to provide business assistance both pre-loan and post-loan, we're really able to help bolster the success of the businesses and and our investments in them too. You mentioned mentorship. Um, can you go in a little more in depth of, of what other types of business assistance you provide or what you mean when you say business assistance? Business assistance is everything from helping an entrepreneur uh, understand uh their, their financial and business situation, and that could range anywhere from helping with a business plan to a marketing plan to helping them sort through their finances or even connecting them to other resources. Um, I'll give you some examples. Uh, the Michigan Good Food Fund provides various types of business assistance um, for those entrepreneurs who are on, on a track for uh, financing. We provide one-on-one -on -one assistance. We really dig deep, find out where their, their uh, hiccups are, and we either help them individually or pair them with experts um, who can provide them very targeted support to get them to the next step. And we really do this to, to 
help them move um, toward a place where they can be more ready for financing. In other cases, we provide what we call broad reach business assistance, where we're able to help many entrepreneurs at once. So for example, um, we host seminars where we pull together entrepreneurs from across the state, and we line up the day with food industry experts who can provide them with tips and tricks and best practices and uh, what they need to do to to succeed. So um, we're excited about being able to help various levels of businesses. Really, it's just bolstering everybody to help move them along to uh, support their growth and success. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. I really wanted to underscore the way that the business assistance and that capacity brings capital more closely and strategically into the community. Uh, The communities where we work and where we're focused are communities that have experienced long-term historic barriers to accessing capital. If you think about uh, the cohort of Black-owned businesses, there are very there are fewer Black-owned businesses than there are um, white-owned businesses, and that then translates into a lack of mentorship, a nurturing and cultivation of the of entrepreneurs of color. And so the technical assistance is designed to sort of level, attempt to level a playing field so that we can address long-term, long-standing institutional challenges to accessing the credit. And as Jane said, access to credit is not enough. Uh, Organizations, financial organizations like mine, provides access to capital and works with partners like the Fair Food Network and others in our collaborative to bring capacity so that entrepreneurs of color can better access our capital. You're listening to Money and Mean It. For additional content and information about upcoming events, visit socialcapitalmarkets.net. As Jean mentioned, that I imagine the two working uh, simultaneously also improves the performance of, of the fund. Um, so to round out the full picture, we have the, the financing provided by Capital Impact Partners, the, the business assistance from the Fair Food Network, but none of it would be successful without, without great entrepreneurs to support, um, which, is, which is where our third and final guest comes in. Um, Amit is the the owner of a shared kitchen in a food processing facility called Feast Detroit and is a client of the Michigan Good Food Fund. Um, Amit, can you give us a brief background on what led you to start Feast? Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, you know, just, just to give you a little background, Alex, uh, you know, Detroit, uh, southeastern Michigan, it's been said, uh, this area is one of the fastest growing in terms of small business, uh, brand, uh, small food businesses, really. Uh, so there's a lot of good support to getting people off the ground, incubator kitchens, shared kitchens, community kitchens, church kitchens that are available for rent and so on. Um, good guidance available through uh, organizations like uh, Detroit Kitchen Connect that are telling people uh, how to take advantage of uh, cottage industry law, how to get started, how to get their products in farmers markets and so on. And what what was missing is if you find success in 
in these farmers markets, if you have a retailer that comes in, tries your product, and is interested, how do you get from there, scale up to where you can efficiently fill these orders that you're getting all of a sudden? Uh, where is that financing going to come from? How is uh, uh, how are you going to have access to automation to make your product quicker, more efficiently? This is where a majority of the businesses were either being held back and not able to grow or outright failing because they were trying something uh, that wasn't going to be feasible out of their current working situation. And so out of that whole conversation came about, uh, you know, this, this need was identified that we need to fill this gap, taking people from that incubator stage uh, to where they can be potentially in their own facility down the road or in at a traditional contract manufacturing facility where there are significantly large uh, minimum order quantities and the financing financing challenges that come with that. Uh, so how do we how do we address that gap? And that's where Eastern Market came in. Eastern Market um, brought a few of us small uh, food manufacturers together, um, offered uh, this opportunity to collaborate and come together to form Feast Detroit which uh, is really an acronym for Food Entrepreneur Accelerator and Startup Terminal. Uh, and believe me, it took me a few months to be able to say that in one breath. <laughs> but uh, so, so the conversation started with six different companies at the table. When we actually uh, got to the starting line, there were three uh, uh, manufacturing companies left that uh, were actually going to move forward uh, with Feast. Eastern Market had a food uh, processing facility, a former food processing facility that was donated uh, to Eastern Market. Uh, it was donated by Jack Aronson, who owned Garden Fresh Salsa. He had donated the building to Eastern Market with a mandate that Eastern Market would use it to help small manufacturers, small food manufacturers. Um, and so um, Scotty Ohari, the local brand of hot sauces and recently introduced salsas. Marsha's Munchies, uh, Marsha's makes uh, pickled products, and MR Ventures, which is my business. And we make a line of all natural chutneys and a popped sorghum snack under the brand Poplets. Uh, we came together, uh, put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this facility uh, and some vital grant dollars from Eastern Market. Um, got it uh, up to code, got uh, licensed to occupy the facility, and set it up to where it's actually a significantly uh, bigger operation than even all three of these companies together would need. The idea being that we would help other small manufacturers by co-packing their products, by helping them scale up um, and, and bridge that gap from going from an incubator kitchen to either their own facility or to a traditional contract manufacturer. So Feast fills that very vital uh, gap in the food ecosystem uh, because there simply wasn't anybody doing that. It was making it very, very challenging for small companies, even though they had fantastic products, to get to where they could compete uh, with the national brands uh, in, in a price competitive way. Yeah, I imagine it's a, it's a huge investment, um, this, you know, the, the industrial appliances. so. Being able to to utilize them um, as efficiently as possible would be really important. Absolutely. So, I mean, it, it definitely is a huge investment, and 
even if we were individually able to find the dollars to make it happen, we wouldn't be using all the, 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 you know, even even a small portion of the capacity uh, because once you you know you have the capability to automate and make a few thousand bottles an hour, uh, and you're trying to get there from making you know a few dozen or a few you know a couple hundred. Uh, that's that's a big enough leap, and even if you came up with the money, you couldn't justify spending it on uh, on expensive equipment that was underutilized and sitting idle most of the time. So this collaborative model is is a great idea. Uh, we're definitely facing our challenges, and and one of our biggest ones was of course getting the financing to buy our equipment, and and that's where we got connected with uh, the Fair Food Network uh, through the uh, the Michigan Good Food Fund and uh, Northern Initiatives, one of their partners uh, in the Good Food Fund. Um, and, and we would definitely not have been able to get off the ground without that assistance. So really quickly, what, what was it in your background that led you to, to identifying this need to start this shared kitchen facility? So, uh, you know, from personally for me, uh, my family's been in the restaurant business and we uh, were having... A lot of good success with that, the, the restaurant and catering business, and looking to bring some of our recipes to the broader market. Uh, you know, we're getting very good response to our recipes and didn't want to be limited to just offering those in the restaurant and catering business. Considered doing it, uh, you know, packaged for retail sale. Tried a few different co packers, uh, did not want to be in the food manufacturing business originally. Uh, but after five failed attempts, uh, for one reason or the other, uh, whether it was pricing, whether it was uh, lack of a focus on our products because the co-packer had their own brands and we took a back seat. Uh, so what, whatever the reason may have been, we just weren't having any luck uh, getting traction. We decided to take things, you know, just take control of our own destiny and get licensed to make our own uh, products. And we got licensed to do so in our kitchen. And as great as that was, we st- you know, we started to make our products, had them on shelves in a few stores. It, it, was, it was just very inefficient. You cannot put in any kind of an automation in a restaurant kitchen that's designed to be a restaurant kitchen. Uh, so we were having this conversation with our, uh, Michigan State University has a product development center. And uh, I was having this conversation with our consultant from there uh, and sort of venting my frustrations that, you know, how, how challenging this whole journey had been. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if only we could get to where we could automate things, be a little more efficient, compete on price. And that's when he told me about this effort at the Eastern Market. Uh, so... You know, got invited to that informational meeting, and uh, and then things move forward from there. Uh, but but it was clearly not just us. There were there were a number of different uh, small uh, food manufacturing brands that were in that same dilemma for one reason or the other. Uh, you know, whether they were in a shared use kitchen uh, where they couldn't automate anything, or they were renting a kitchen space, or they were at a co-packer but struggling because. Uh, they weren't able to get the co-packer to pay enough attention to their products and so on. The service that Amit provides through Feast is 
critical, and it is something that we've seen in other locations. You know, we work nationally in food systems with the intention to help create more economic opportunities within the food economy. And I mentioned earlier how the food economy offers low barriers to entry. So there are lots of jurisdictions that will allow for um, production through cottage laws in a home kitchen or in a, a, a commercial kitchen that might be used in the off hours so that Food on burgeoning food entrepreneurs can potentially get a start many times um, at a farmer's market or other smaller venue. But the point at which they need to grow, that becomes a real challenge to take the next interim step. Um, when you go into a commercial kitchen, it's a capital intensive exercise. There is there um, there's equipment that requires a lot of capitalization. There's the actual facility. There are permitting requirements that we would, that entrepreneurs need to know about. Um, there could be infrastructure requirements like sprinklers. Um, and that is the kind of infrastructure that Feast is providing to other food entrepreneurs that are looking to scale. It's really challenging to be profitable as a food entrepreneur and to have to absorb all of the costs of the infrastructure um, is can be a great burden on entrepreneurs that are just looking to scale. So uh, we really appreciate being able to support an entity like Feast that will create opportunity for at least three new food entrepreneurs and even more as potentially there's more space available or they can take on new clients on a contract basis. Um, it creates more ability to be able to service food entrepreneurs that are trying to scale up from a smaller facility. So Olivia, uh, we've, we've gone from the three original uh, partner companies to today, uh, we're producing products for 14 different brands at Feast uh, in excess of 85 uh, stock keeping units uh, being manufactured at Feast. And every week, uh, we're we're either testing somebody else's product to you know to explore viability and cost, uh, or starting one or two new conversations. So there's a lot of interest. There's a huge pent up demand. Uh, in a facility like Feast, and it's just a matter of time uh, before we're able to bring on even more. I expect uh, before the end of summer, we will be at over 20 brands based on the activity that we're seeing in our pipeline. And and the best part about Feast is, you know, with, with the mindset that we wanted to be able to help a lot of different uh, small food manufacturers, it was set up to be very flexible, uh, to to be able to do relatively small uh, minimum order quantities, uh, but also to be able to scale up at the same time and be efficient. Um, and, and we have the ability to do hot fill, cold fill, dry products, and we're now getting started with refrigerated products. So some, some, of, the, some of the products, uh, you know, just to give you a sense of the range, we cover uh, hot sauces, salsas, chutneys, barbecue sauces, Pasta sauces, salad dressings, mustard, uh, vinegars. Uh, we actually started packaging uh, a drinking uh, a brand of drinking vinegars that's doing really well. 
Um, we have, as I mentioned earlier, the pop sorghum snack, but we're also doing spice blends with our dry packaging equipment. So just a very broad spectrum uh, of products that we can do here. And uh, that's, that's the exciting part that we're actually able to offer all of this uh, to companies in the area that wouldn't have had access to, uh, to a facility like this as recently as 18 months ago. That's great. It's really impressive growth. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Very exciting. Yeah, it is. You're listening to Money and Meaning. I'm Lindsay Smalling, and you can find out more about the SOCAP conference, SOCAP 365, and sign up for our newsletter at socialcapitalmarkets.net. Uh, Olivia, to, uh, I'd like to to follow up on what you were saying. Um, so you're you're based in the Bay Area, and, and Capital Impact Partners is based in DC. What what was it about about the Michigan Good Food Fund that led to your investment there? Right. So we are a national organization with a headquarters in just outside of Washington, D.C., and I am based in our Oakland, California office. And we do have also our third office is located in Detroit, where we have planted some deep roots. Uh, We have been a part of and have facilitated a significant revitalization of some neighborhood cores in the city of Detroit, all with the lens of inclusive growth. So attempting to create opportunity for historic and long-term residents of that city so that they can appreciate in their prosperity. Um, Nationally, we have a lens on sectors that increase opportunity and social outcomes. So food systems work is part of that umbrella. We also have a focus on healthcare, education, and quality educational opportunities. Um, We focus on cooperative development as a means of economic justice. We do affordable housing work, um, and we also have a focus on low-income seniors. So we were, because of a track record that we've had in administering healthy food financing initiatives, previously we oversaw an initiative in the state of California. We worked alongside several partners over years to develop an initiative in Michigan called the Michigan Good Food Fund. That initiative launched in June of 2015, so is approaching now its four-year anniversary, Um, and it has fleshed out fully as a collaborative of several partners where we're able to focus on providing technical and financial assistance of all varieties to help food entrepreneurs like Feast, but many others even, to help them succeed and scale. Yeah, I lived in in southeastern Michigan for a couple of years, so I can confirm that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of really exciting development going on there. It's uh, it's great to hear. Um, you you mentioned the technical assistance, um, Amit. How how have you or or your clients been able to to utilize the the assistance provided by the fund? Uh, so, so Alex, uh, primarily for for Feast, um, we definitely benefited from. Uh, using some financial planning assistance and some cash flow analysis tools that uh, uh, Northern Initiatives, after after they extended us the loan and after things got rolling, uh, they helped us, you know, be better prepared to handle our cash flow, to expect, uh, you know, just to assess where and how our revenue was going to be coming in and how it was going to be going out. 
um, and see that picture better because none of us are really financial whizzes, right? We, you know, we didn't have that background. So that definitely helped us at Feast. Uh, but taking that a step further to our clients, you know, it's, it's as, as important as it is for Feast to be able to make their products efficiently at, at a great price for them, it's even more important for them to be able to sell that product and, and, and the sell through. Getting it in the store is one thing, but actually selling it uh, and, and having those products fly off the shelves so they're repeat orders, that's the real answer. I mean, that's what's going to ensure financial viability for those businesses and in turn for Feast. And this is where uh, the Good Food Fund with their technical assistance comes in. Uh, as Gene was referring to the seminar, a number of our clients were at the seminar benefiting from all the sage advice that was uh, you know, made available to them, uh, the opportunity to meet one-on-one with various buyers that were brought in. Um, and, and it's extremely difficult for a small food brand to get a buyer at a large retail chain to even give them time of day. Uh, and, and they are inundated with so many requests that it's difficult for them to do that. But for the Good Food Fund to bring a number of these buyers to the seminar and provide that access is just invaluable. Uh, so, you know, the guiding, uh, the sharing of information and mentoring was fantastic. But even more so the inspiration out of that seminar, some of the speakers listening to them and their stories and how they succeeded. Because, uh, you know, when you are starting a difficult journey of building a brand and growing it, uh, sometimes even more than financing and even more than the information and technical guidance, you need that inspiration to push through the the inevitable challenges that you're going to run into, right? So the that opportunity was fantastic, I think. Uh, more recently, uh, there is a branding accelerator that the Good Food Fund has offered, uh, actually 10 different businesses the opportunity to help build out their brand stories, uh, hone uh, their pitching skills and help get that brand awareness and and, and in turn their sales up. Uh, We're lucky with our pop sorghum snack to get in on that action. So Poplets is is part of that brand accelerator Uh, along with uh, three of our potential clients. So there, there, there are three food companies in there that have already reached out to us and that we're at various stages of, you know, potentially bringing them on to make their product at Feast. Uh, but now uh, in, in working with them and in them seeing uh, what Feast does a little more up close, maybe we'll get more of those companies to come here as well. So, uh, you know, the, the one-on-one stuff is fantastic. Uh, uh, Gene's partner in crime, Charlotte, I know offers a lot of technical assistance one-on-one to uh, some of our client companies. Uh, name that comes to mind is Butch's Chow Chow. Uh, I, I know they're getting accounting help uh, through you guys, and it's helping them tremendously. Ansley's been telling me all about it. Uh, but but these larger group activities and networking opportunities are also, uh, you know, they just bring a lot of value. Yeah, that that support community, I imagine, is is really um, is really helpful when you're going through such a, a challenging experience. No, definitely. I would like I'd like to pivot quickly um, back to Gene because there, there's another program that 
that you run through the Fair Food Network that I, I think is is so inspired. Um, can you tell us briefly about about Double Up Food Bucks? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking. Um, you know, at Fair Food Network, we we really have an overall mission to grow community health and wealth through food, and um, we launched. Uh, 10 years ago with a small pilot at the time called Double Up Food Bucks, which in in its basic form matches food stamp dollars that are spent on fresh fruits and vegetables. So what this means is, you know, uh, food stamps, also known as SNAP, um, represents the largest federal investment in our food and farm system. It's like $70 billion a year. And communities that happen to be low wealth, um, for, for those communities, this is really a major portion of the local food economy. And the cool thing about what Double Up does is that it harnesses those SNAP dollars to be used toward fresh, healthy, locally grown food so that more food um, can be brought home by families. It's better business for farmers, and it really helps. Um, it really helps boost the local economy. And we're really proud to say that Double Up Food Bucks is a statewide success. We're uh, we started off, you know, with just a handful of sites way back when, and now we're in 250 plus sites across Michigan. And uh, our model has expanded nationally, and it is now in 20 plus states and counting. Um, so we're, we're pretty excited about what, what double, double up food bucks brings, but you know, in, in any case, it's really about, um, how we are bringing more healthy food to families and, and supporting farmers, um, all the while helping a local economy. Yeah. It's such a, an elegant and, and simple solution. Um, and it makes so much sense for everyone involved. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I was, I've always been really impressed with that and I'm, I'm glad to see that it's being replicated across the country. Yes, me too. Before we wrap up our discussion, I would love to get one final takeaway from each of you for our listeners, like one final insight that you'd like to to drive home or, or maybe an additional resource that, that they can check out if they're interested in learning more. Um, Amit, do you, do you have something that comes to mind if we start with you? You know, I, I just like to say that small food businesses uh, and I've seen a number of them, and I continue to. They're driven by passion more so uh, than the bottom line. Uh, what makes them worthy of investment is that they're creating jobs, they're creating local jobs, they're investing in the local community by sourcing locally, uh, not just their ingredients, but also vendors, uh, other ancillary activities, and everything... All of this is leading to a healthier local economy, healthier in the financial sense, but more importantly, healthier in the in the real health sense, right? With with better better food being available locally. Yeah, we talk about triple bottom line investing in in this industry, and, and that's such a good example of that. Um, Gene, do you do you have something for us? Yeah, I think for me, uh, I think the message is. Having access to capital isn't enough. Um, really, at the end of the day, if you really want to affect change with investments in small local food businesses, it's really key to come to the table with not only capital, but also a, a robust technical assistance program. That's great. Thank, thank you. And Olivia, let's, uh, let's wrap up with you. Well, just uh, building upon what Amit and Jean have shared, really I want to underscore that there is huge opportunity here. I think the food economy nationwide 
generates about 190 million billion worth of economic activity. And we have the opportunity to include so many more community members and aspiring entrepreneurs within this food economy so that they can participate and benefit and prosper. Because we envision a nation, a community, a state where everyone can participate and prosper. There are so many positive social outcomes from investing in food systems, not only promoting health, but we promote wealth, wealth creation through business ownership and participation in the food economy. So I would just encourage us all to think not only about food systems, but also making sure that our food systems work is inclusive and creates opportunities and prosperity for all. Thank you all so much for joining me on Money and Meaning. I, I really enjoyed learning more about the Michigan Good Food Fund and, and Feast Detroit, and I'm, uh, I'm happy to support the work that you're all doing. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Money and Meaning. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with the Michigan Good Food Fund. If you're interested in attending one of our events live, we have events coming up in, in Seattle, Baltimore, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Atlanta. Check out our website at socialcapitalmarkets.net, specifically our SOCAP 365 page for more information. If you're looking for more resources on equitable food systems or any of our speakers today, you can find that information on our blog. Lastly, if you have any questions for us or, or feedback, we'd love to hear from you at moneyandmeaningpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. You've been listening to Money and Meaning, unlikely allies building new markets for impact. With your hosts, Lindsay Smalling and Alex Kravitz. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are heard. To learn more, check out our website, socialcapitalmarkets.net. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at SoCapMarkets. Thanks for listening.